Welcome to the Calvary Young Adults Podcast. We exist to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. Here's today's sermon. Hello, my name is Michael, and uh, I'm the new young adult pastor here. I haven't met some of you. I would love to meet some of you. It's so good to be together. Um, Hey, we're in a series called New Year's, New Rhythms, um, and we started last week with our, with our series on fa- or our, our uh, sermon on fasting. Um, and I just want to encourage you, I'm not going to have us like go holy roller or like tell everybody what we're fasting or make noise if we're fasting. I'm just going to say this. If you're fasting, we're praying for you. If you're fasting, um, don't give up. If you've fallen off already, that's okay. Just try it again. Um, just, just re-engage it. None of us are going to be perfect in this. Uh, we're, we're not called to be perfect. We're called to be as faithful as we can. So if you fell off and you're feeling discouraged, just get back into it. Uh, tonight we're talking about prayer, and this is an antenna. Ever seen one of these? Like on, in movies, maybe? Um, so the antenna was invented by a German physicist named Heinrich Heitz. And this was in the 19th century, so we're talking 1800s here. Um, and it was invented for radio transmission originally, so people could talk to each other from long distances. Uh, but then in the 1930s, this thing called the television was invented. And uh, the antenna became extremely important for televisions because what would happen is these TV stations would have, uh, they, they would project these radio frequency signals just into the air. And these antennas that you would place on top of a TV would tap into these radio frequency signals and turn radio waves into pictures. That's crazy, right? You can tell I'm not a scientist. I'm like trying to like say these words and they're not coming out that clear. I think what blows my mind about this like really old technology, but before I tell you what blows my mind, you can get one of these at Target and plug it into your current, like your current TV and get all the major networks for free, no monthly. If you're a sports fan, it's a good deal. It's a good deal. You just plug it in, put it up, and it still works and it's HD. It's like crystal clear picture. So go to Target go, or Amazon, don't go anywhere. Just have it come to you, right? So order it, have it come to you. You'll have your sports in your home. What blows me my mind about antennas is that they're tapping into something that's there all the time, but we can't see it. It's tapping into something that's there all the time, but none of us can see it with our eyes. And friends, prayer is a lot like an antenna. We have an omnipresent God, a God who is everywhere all the time. And prayer is like the antenna that taps into this God that is sending out messages of redemption and salvation and healing and hope for your life. But it takes intentionality to tap into this thing that we can't see. Have you ever actually thought about prayer? Have you ever actually thought about how insane prayer is? We are human beings talking to somebody that we can't see. And we're hoping to get messages, pictures, feelings, truths, life change from somebody that we can't see. And so prayer is like an absolute mystery that feels impossible to fully encapsulate in one teaching on one night. And so what I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to tell you what prayer has been for me. 
I'm going to start with what prayer has been for me, and then we're going to land in this anchor text that's going to shape and form us. And I don't know about you, but my experience, prayer can feel like so many things. It can feel like an ocean wave, like powerful Like you spend time in the presence of God and something changes within you. You pray for something and this miraculous thing happens in your life or this prayer is answered and your life changes in some way, shape, or form. Um, Prayer can feel healing like a peaceful stream. Like you're reminded of who you are. You're grounded in the truth that you're a child of God. You're grounded in the truth of who your God says you are. It can feel like an ocean. It can feel like a stream. It can feel powerful. It can feel healing. And friends, prayer can feel painful. It can feel like a desert. It can feel like you've been in this place and you're calling out on God over and over. And it's like you're in a dry desert and all you want is rain. And not one drop has come, friends. Um, There's a lot of people who could teach better than me on prayer tonight, but I'm the one up here. And I'm going to center some of my story in all this and tell you some stories and some things that I've learned, not to just put myself on center, center stage. My goal in doing that is to normalize this wild, mystical thing called prayer. Um, this, it, it, it's to normalize this idea that we're trying to talk to God and then God shows up and what that looks like. But before we do that, uh, I want to pray. <laughs> I want to pray before we talk about prayer. God, I thank you that you're here. God, I thank you that you're just not surprised by anything right now. You're not surprised by anything that we bring in here, anything that we've done or not done this week. Um, any way that we've fallen short, God, you're not surprised by. Um, God, I thank you that you're a God who loves us exactly as we are and not as we should be because there's not one person in here that is as they should be. God, it's your grace that changes us. It's your mercy that changes us, and I thank you for that. So, God, I pray for things in this room that are broken right now. Would you heal them? God, I pray for places in our lives right now that are sleeping. Would you wake them up? God, I pray for places that are dead and dying in our lives. Would you bring salvation? Would you bring life back to those places, God, in the way that only you can do it, and that's through your word and through your spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's what I have learned about prayer in my time walking with Jesus. And this first part is just going to be kind of what I've learned and where we see it in Scripture. The first thing I've learned is that prayer is full of requests. Anybody, can anybody resonate with this? Prayer is full of requests. If you're praying, you're asking. And it's not always so formal. It's not always in a church service. It's not always, uh, you know, it's not always in a very formal setting. A lot of times it's deeply personal. It's deeply intimate and it's deeply honest. Has anybody ever noticed how selfish their prayers are on a typical basis? Or is it just me? Has anybody ever noticed? It might sound like this. um, God, I want a good grade on this test. God, uh, give me favor with my boss. God, I want that job. Can I have it? God, I want that husband. Can I have him? Like, like, God, I want that woman. Can I have her? Like, I want to be married now. God, will you give me what I want now? Uh, has anybody, pr- pr- like, prayed those prayers before? Just raise your hand. Safe space. Safe space. So selfish, all of you. 
all of you. So selfish. No, seriously, it's okay. Prayer is full of requests and that's good. And we bring these requ- we bring the desires of our heart to God. And so much of the time that, that might feel selfish in some way. You, f- you feel like, oh, I should be praying for the world because the world is on my stream at all times. And I can see everything that's wrong all at once. And I have to pray for Gaza. I have to pray for Ukraine. I have to pray for these people over here who just experienced this natural disaster. Yes, we should pray for all of those things, but we also have these natural desires of our hearts that come and that God wants to hear us bring our requests to him. So prayer is full of requests. Example, faith does this all the time. I kind of let my wife, she like, she prays for specific things like with God. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm kind of judging her. I'm like, that's super selfish. Like you don't need all that. You don't need all the things that you're asking God for right now. So we moved out here. She was like, I know exactly what I want in the place that we're going to move into. And we went to all these places over all these weekends and looked at all these condos, all these apartments, couple houses. And she was like, I want two to three bedrooms. I want really good natural light. That's a big deal. We need a good backyard for our dogs. And, um, and I want a fireplace. I'm like, with our budget, that's just not happening, right? Like every place we went was like, not check, not check, not check. It was like XXX on all of that, like dark, two bedroom. It was just awful and so expensive until one day, of course, we come into this place, (laughs) this house, and he's like having an open house for a rental. And we go in and it literally checks every single box that faith has requested from God. And God's like, you're my favorite. I'm giving you exactly what you want. And now, we live, now we're living in that place, right? And I'm like, I'm too shy with God. I'm like, God, whatever you want. Faith's like, no, I want this, 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 and this. And God's like, cool. And I'm like, really, God? Like, I'm just... And he's like, yes. You know why? Because you're, you're engaging God in relationship when you do that. He knows we want it. He knows you want it. And here's, here's what this is not. This is not, this is not prosperity gospel. This is not God's a genie. This is not God's Santa Claus. If we didn't get that place, would God still be good? Absolutely. If we didn't get that place, would God still be on the throne? Absolutely. But here's the thing, because she requested all of those things, now because we got that place, God gets glory out of it and not us. Because he answered a prayer that my wife had, and now we live in this place. We're like, this is amazing. This is because of you, God. If we never prayed about it, we'd just be like, yeah, we're sick. We got a great place, you know? Like, it, it gives God glory, and it's, it's engaging him in relationship. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's this idea that we're bringing all of our requests to God. And even if he doesn't answer him, there's a peace that comes because God, we know we're walking in this together. So I just want to say, wherever you are tonight, stop holding out on your requests. Don't think that like God doesn't want to give you something good. Jesus talks about like, if you ask for bread, is God going to give you, is a good father going to give you a stone? Or if you ask for a fish, he's going to give you a snake. Like you have a good father who loves you. Stop holding out on your requests with him because it's a way to engage him in relationship and just see how he shows up. So the first thing is prayer is full of requests. The second thing is it's a conversation. Turn to your neighbor and just say, it's a conversation. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it urges us to pray continually. 
praying continually. This, this reminds me of my life. Like uh, when I didn't live here, me and my brother talked on the phone every morning. He's a pastor here. I was a pastor somewhere else. We would talk on the phone every morning. And when it's a continual conversation, it's not full of a lot of pleasantries. It's just like this ongoing conversation. It was just like, what's up? What's up? What are you doing? Nothing. What are you doing? Nothing. And then like, you just kind of do your morning. You're like talking for 20 minutes. And all of a sudden you're like, we've just been talking and communing and there's a relationship being built and we didn't talk about anything. This is, that's not exactly what it is to pray, pray without ceasing, but it's this thing, and, and this is what I want to tell you too. I'm not good at this. This is something I'm not good at. I am not good at praying ceaselessly or continuously with God. Like, I feel like I compartmentalize my life more than God wants me to. He's longing for more of this with me that in every moment I'm having a conversation with him. Do you know who was amazing at this? this old French monk named Brother Lawrence. He lived in the 17th century. He was from France. He had zero formal ed education, but he dedicated himself to finding himself in the presence of God no matter what he did. He was famous for washing dishes, the most menial thing you could do. And even in the most menial and, and mundane tasks, he made it his life's pursuit to pray without ceasing. And so he wrote this book called The Practice of the Presence of God Without a Formal Education, and it's like a classic. And he says this, there is not in the world a kind of life more sweet and delightful than that of a continual conversation with God. There's a pastor here on staff who feels like a Brother Lawrence to me because uh, he does this. His name is Rick Fusilier. <laughs> he's, um, I don't know, maybe in his 60s, 70s, something like that. And um, and he's just like the kindest man. And you'll walk up to him. You're like, morning, Rick. He's like, morning, Michael. And he's like, how's your day going? And you start telling him how your day is going. And like kind of in the middle of your sentence, he goes, Father, we just pray for Michael. <laughs> and, you're, <laughs> and you're like, whoa, like what just happened? And like, <laughs> and he's praying for you. And like people are walking by, like trying not to like interject into your situation. Because like it turns from the middle of the hallway or the middle of, you know, the lobby out here. And it turns from like a moment to a holy moment in an instant it's because he's constantly praying. Like that's happening here and then it happens here. He reminds me, and it's like the most beautiful, holy moment to get that prayer from Rick. If you haven't got it, I pray that you get it. But you know what praying without ceasing leads to, excuse me, leads to, it makes every moment holy. There's not one moment where your God is not it makes us more like Jesus in all of the best ways. Jesus was the most interruptible person that ever walked the earth. There was never a person who walked this earth that was more in the moment than Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who only had three years to save the world and stopped for people who would touch his cloak or stopped for beggars on the side of the road who were screaming his name or stopped for a tax collector that everybody despised when he's walking and have the masses following him at the height of his fame stops for a man that everybody despised because he was so in the moment, so praying ceaselessly that he knew that God was doing something in this man's life that was about to happen in that moment, that if he wasn't praying ceaselessly, if he wasn't in that moment, he wouldn't have the empathy, wouldn't have the eyes, wouldn't have the understanding, wouldn't be able to connect with this man that needed the grace and love of God so deeply. He prayed ceaselessly. So praying is a conversation, praying, excuse me, Praying is a conversation, praying is requests, praying is listening. Turn your neighbor and say, praying is listening. Friends, this is a, this is a revolutionary act in 2024, listening. 
Wouldn't it be amazing if God talked this loud to us? Wouldn't it be amazing if you were just going through your day, you're like, I'm gonna have a quiet time. God, I'm opening your word, speak to me. And you're reading a passage and he just highlights scripture and says, my son, my daughter, that part right there, that's for you today. And you could hear an audible. Wouldn't that be amazing if God's voice was just loud? The truth is God's voice is not loud. God's voice is quiet. In scripture, it talks about a still small voice that he speaks in. And the louder our life is, the harder it is to hear something that soft. And so when you have your feed, just, just doom scrolling on your feed in bed as you go to bed and wake up, is you're constantly inundated by images and messages and comparison. It's so hard to hear the voice of God. So listening prayer, I'm getting a little bit better at this. The older I get, it's just sitting and listening, creating space, creating space and time where you Which begs the question, how does God speak to us? So glad you asked. A couple different ways he speaks to us. I would say primarily through scripture. Like scripture is what God has to say to us. It's his word. So I just encourage you to spend time in it. And when we spend more time in scripture, we're, uh, we're able to differentiate between our own thoughts and God's thoughts and the enemy's thoughts. Um, and when we spend time in scripture and in my experience and trying to listen to God and say, God, what are you saying to me as I'm reading? Um, it's pretty amazing how he'll highlight certain parts of scripture as you're reading and it resonates in your heart and in your mind and in your life. And that starts, uh, that starts a process where his word starts to take root in your life. Uh, if you want to look it up, there's a certain Bible study method. It's really popular. You've probably heard about, about it. It's called the SOAP method. And that's a really good way to read scripture. That's an acronym, S-O-A-P. Um, I don't know if I can remember it in the moment, but it's like uh, scripture, observation, application, and prayer. Remembered it. Um, but look it up. It's, um, it's, it's a really good way to read scripture. It's reading scripture under the assumption that the Holy Spirit's working when you're reading scripture and that it's gonna highlight something for you and that scripture's alive and it's active and it's not just static. So God speaks through scripture, which leads to this like word that like, I feel like it makes a lot of people cringe in 2024, but it's like a, a word from the Bible and that's so good. It's called conviction. Um, God speaks to us through conviction. The more we read his word, the more that um, our own thoughts aren't louder than his or other people's thoughts aren't louder than his, but his truth is louder than everything else. And then there will be things in our life that don't line up with what he's saying about us and who we are and how we ought to live as his children in this world. And so what happens is something happens in your gut and in your mind and in your heart. And you're like, um, I've done something wrong or I'm doing something wrong and I want to tell God about this and I want to tell a friend about this and I don't want to do that anymore. Um, not out of this like, oh my gosh, I'm like, um, not out of this hating who I am at all, but knowing how much God loves me and I want to do something different than I've been doing in light of his love for me. 
So he speaks to us through uh, conviction. Uh, I'm going to kind of go fast over this next one. He speaks to us through circumstances. He speaks to us through like very tangible real life stuff. Uh, God will open doors and he's going to close doors and he's going to provide opportunities and take away opportunities in your life. And like sometimes I think we try to force God's will in our life and it's just not the time because the actual circumstances in your life are saying that it's not time. It's like dictating that it's actually not time. Like God's not calling you, calling you to marry that woman if she won't go on a date with you, right? Like you can't force that. You can't be like, God's calling me to marry her. And she's like, I don't like you. It's like circumstances, probably not going to work out. You know, like what he might, he has somebody else for you. You know what I mean? It's so like, sometimes I think we try to over-spiritualize some things and force things. And sometimes we just like run up against reality of like, that's not happening right now. Or like, God's not calling you to become a billionaire by winning the lottery if you haven't won the lottery. You know, like don't stake your claims. Not that I feel like nobody's doing that in this room. These are ridiculous examples, right? But circumstances speak to us, Right? Um, so God speaks through our circumstances. I would just say in your life, look out for the open doors and the closed doors. And if you really think and have this desire of your heart over and over and over and you just keep banging your head against the door, maybe it's not time. Maybe you're wrong about the thing that you want and God wants something different and it turns out it might be better for you. So just pay attention to those. Um, the next one is people. Um, this is crazy. Um, God uses people to speak to us. Um, words of encouragement, somebody coming up to you and just saying, you know what, God, I was praying for you and God told me to tell you, don't give up. Like, I know you're going through a hard season and I don't know exactly what it is, but don't give up. Like I've had people come up and say that to me. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's true. And you didn't even know what's going on in my life. And that's so encouraging to me. Um, or people can just affirm what they see of God in you. And as we do that with one another, that's God speaking through us. Some really specific ways that like, a couple weird specific ways that God's like spoken to me through other people. Uh, I'll never forget, it was the week after Easter uh, 2017 in the church I was in. We had three services in the morning. So I get like the post-Easter, you know, preaching gig. Um, and so I'm there preaching and there's three services. And after each service a different woman who was like, these were godly women. So one woman after each service came up and had a specific word for me. And they said, I don't know what this means for you, but I feel like God's telling me to tell you. And they all had the same version of the same word. And this is three in a row. So you like preach, you're hanging out, somebody says it, you're like, cool, thanks for the encouragement. And it's like, basically like, it's time for you to go do something. Like, I know you're like, over these people, it's time for you to go do something in ministry that looks different than this. And the first one, you're like, cool, thanks for the encouragement. You liked the sermon, so glad you liked it. Bye. You know, like not trying to hear it. Second one, she says like the same thing. And you're like, feels like a coincidence. Still don't love the word that you gave me. And I don't feel like comfortable with that. So I'm going to take it. I'm going to sit with that. Thank you so much. This is all I'm thinking in my head, but like very kind. Thank you so much, you know. And then the last time I'm literally sitting, I never sit on a stage after I preach. I'm literally sitting on the stage and my wife's sitting next to me. This is the only time this has ever happened in our marriage. She's sitting next to me on a stage. Afterwards, there's like a prayer time going on. As I'm sitting on the stage next to my wife, the third woman comes up and she's more emphatic than the first two. Has the same exact word, but way more emphatic. And now I'm trapped with that word because now my wife knows about it, right? <laughs> now I can't just like throw that away and pretend it never happened. Now we have witnesses here. So what happened out of that is like me and my wife, Faith, went to go plant the first campus of our church as a result of that. And God used us to plant that campus in Pasadena. 
And it was crazy. It was crazy to do, like, literally change my entire job, change our entire lives because three women gave us a word. That was the reason that we did that. And it made sense with the circumstances. Um, the other thing, we got the first conversation I had with leadership here about potentially coming here. We weren't sure at all. We were just having a conversation. That night, we go home and Faith's really good friend that had no clue about the situation, we hadn't talked to in a very long time, sent us this picture. I think it's going to be up there, yeah. Um, so this is a before. Um, that's Avenido de los Arbeles back in the day. Um, so go to the next one. Wild, right? So she sent us that picture. I grew up here. And she sent Faith that picture and said, didn't Michael grow up there? And we lived in Pasadena at the time. We were talking about coming to Thousand Oaks, hadn't told her. And like, we're sitting here and we don't know if it's the right thing at all. And it was almost God just giving us this little nudge that like, we're talking about coming here. We're not sure about coming here. This person who has no clue that we're talking about coming here sends us a picture of the place that we're talking about coming to which is just wild. And so that just kept us going and it turned into the place that we came to. The last thing I'll say is that prayer is a weapon. Turn to your neighbor and say, prayer is a weapon. Might, might have felt aggressive to some of you. I don't know if felt aggressive or not, but prayer is a weapon. It says, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind and be alert always and keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Friends, prayer is a weapon. Um, intercession for your friends, intercession for people that you would never imagine coming back to God or coming to God. I've seen it over and over and over of that person you never thought would come came because somebody stood in the gap and prayed for them. Say spiritual warfare, we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and dark powers in this world. And I've seen with my own eyes and been part of multiple occasions of praying over houses, praying over rooms, um, praying over people that were under the influence of demonic spirits. I've seen spiritual warfare firsthand over and over and over again. Prayer is a weapon. And the last thing I would say in this is prayer is healing. Um, prayer is healing. Faith's mom got COVID in 2020 and she has Alzheimer's and it hit her like crazy hard. We went out to Arizona for like a month to help her dad. And we thought we were gonna lose Patty. That's Faith's mom's name. And it was a really specific moment where it was very, very touch and go. And I'll never forget putting out on Instagram stories like what was happening and hey, can you just send in prayers for Patty? And people were just sending in prayers and we sat up like all night writing these prayers down on pieces of paper. And just to write the prayers down of God's people for Faith's mom in this moment that we truly thought we were going to lose her and bringing those over. And, and she really came out of it after that night and bringing those over and her and her husband being able to read over these prayers that were a part of her healing was profound. Friends, I want you to hear um, God answers prayers. God answers prayers. And it's the most beautiful thing to witness. And then I also want to say, and this might be hard or it might be healing for you, sometimes he doesn't. Or to be more clear, sometimes he doesn't answer our prayers like we want him to. Remember I told you about those three women's words? They gave us three words. We went and planted that campus. It was this beautiful story. I remember in that time, we felt like God told us, hey, you're called to do this. 
Go plant this campus. Um, the important part is that you're faithful, but don't hold on to the outcomes. That's what God told us. The important part is you obey, don't hold on to the outcomes. If we were thinking, if we were actually like really thinking about what God told us, he was so kind to tell us like, this might not end amazing. He's saying, obey, but don't hold on to the outcomes. And so we obey, we plant this church or this campus in March of 2019. And one year later, in March of 2020, we have our one-year anniversary. We're seeing like 500 people come. It's this amazing church. And we meet in a public school in Pasadena. So think of March 2020, public school, Pasadena, LA County. One year basically to the date that we launched it, it shut down. And it never came back. So God saying, go do that. Sending three women saying, go do that. And you're certain of it. And then him saying, but don't hold on to the outcome. Why would God do that? Or for some of us here tonight, maybe you're praying for the healing and lives of people around you, physical healing, and they're just not getting better. And they're actually getting worse. Why would God not answer that the way that you want? Or you're praying for somebody that you love that's been hurt and you're praying for healing in their lives and they just keep getting worse and worse and they're becoming a worse version of themselves. Why would God do that? Why does God not answer prayers the way we want him to answer even when we're obedient to his voice and do what he tells us to do? I have to tell you as a pastor the truth. I don't fully know that answer. It's not an answer that, it's not a question that one answer can fully explain. But I do know places in scripture that both comfort me and help me see a bigger picture of what God might be doing in moments like that. I've been so comforted over the years by Psalms of Lament. Has anybody gotten into these like deep cuts, like B-side, like not as popular Psalms? These are like, this is like, you know the band when you know this song, you know? Like, it's like that kind of, that, these are those psalms. Psalm 13, listen to this. This is David, who we sang about earlier. David, who's propped up as this friend of God, a man after God's own heart. This is David who knows God like that. He says, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. He's demanding this answer. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. Maybe a little bit dramatic, David. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But watch this pivot. This is what I love about the, the Psalms of Lament. Watch this pivot. David is saying, how long will you forget me? You're hiding your face from me. If I don't hear from you, I'm gonna die. And then he pivots on a dime and says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. I need you to hear this in a place where God might not have answered you the way that you want to be answered. Can you hear this truth? God can handle all of you. He can handle all. If he can handle that from David, and that is in the canon of scripture for David to be accusing, doubting, wondering where God is, you think he can't handle you screaming at him in, in your car? Anybody ever screamed at God in your car? Anybody? I'm the only one, a couple of us, okay. Um, so this is what I want us to do. This is not, I don't think this is normal for us as like church people. You've been coming to church and we're like, 
we're given these truths that like God is good all the time, all the time God is good, and that's all true, absolutely. And in scripture, you have David like raging because God hasn't answered him and then saying, God, you're good. And I think that's a healthier way for us to walk through moments where God has not answered the way that he thought he would. So we're gonna, do you wanna practice lament together? You wanna practice lament together? Yeah, so you're like, you didn't think you were gonna practice lament coming to YA on Thursday night, right? Um, so this is what we're gonna do. Um, we're gonna, how are we gonna do this? I thought it would be easier. Um, we're just gonna do it all together. I was gonna split it, but I'm like, how do I split this room? Here, we'll split the room right here. So I'm the middle. If you're on this side of me, you'll do one thing, this side, the other. So this side, we're gonna scream at the top of our lungs, why God? Why God? We're gonna question, and, and when you do this, this is what I want you to do. This is going to be good for you. Trust me. Trust me. This is going to be good for you. Think of the place. Listen to me. Think of the, think of the prayer that hasn't been answered yet. Think of that place. Think of that place. Like that place where you're like, God, I need you to show up so bad. And, and, and you're like, and like, we're tight and I know you, but like, you're not here yet. Like I thought you were coming yesterday. You're not here yet. Think of that place. While you, while you scream that, so like this side. And then this side, you get to be the pivot, okay? We're gonna say, God, you're good. And here's the catch. When you scream that, think of the exact same thing they're thinking of. Think of that place that he hasn't answered. Think of that place that he hasn't showed up. Think of the thing that you're still waiting on and longing for. And this is gonna be such a good cathartic practice of lament. Are we ready? So this side, why God? And this side, why, God, you're good. And I'm the conductor, so watch me for your cues, okay? We're gonna go, <laughs> why God? God, you're good, okay. One, two, three. That's what lament sounds like. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, you can clap that up. Let's clap that up. That's what it sounds like in... <laughs> Practice it in your car if you're alone. It's, a, it's, it's really great. Um, with these places that God hasn't showed up yet. So like, why would God not answer it the way, uh, the way that we would want to? Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, he can handle all of us in that. The second thing I would say about that, I'm so comforted by Paul and the thorn in his flesh in 2 Corinthians. He talks about this messenger of Satan that was, tempted, that was sent to tempt him, to torture him. Um, he called it a thorn in the flesh. Theologians can't agree on what it was. And I love that there's no clarity on that. So we can all relate to something that you've asked God three times. God, take this away from me. And each time God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. So um, I don't have the specific answer to why God didn't answer your prayer in the way that he didn't answer it, but I do know that his power is made perfect. He has promised that. His power is made perfect in your weakness. His power is made perfect when he doesn't answer your prayers. And then the last thing I'm comforted by, and this is kind of crazy, um, I'm comforted by Jesus's agony in Gethsemane by a God who became a person and experienced the agony of an unanswered prayer. Jesus, God in the flesh, Savior of the world, prayed to God, like, if this cup can pass from me, knowing he's going to the cross, if this cup can pass, may it pass, but not my will, but yours be done. 
God, would you please let it pass, but not my will, yours. And we know what happened. He went to the cross. I want you to think about this. The greatest thing that could ever happen to you or me happened through an unanswered prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. The cross was a result of Jesus going through with something that in this garden he was saying, God, if this could pass, may it pass. So in those places where God hasn't answered the prayer, his power is made perfect. God can handle all of you. And the greatest thing that could ever happen to us happened through an unanswered prayer. If there's one thing about prayer that I've learned in all of my time of praying, this is... um, this is it. Um, it's not about me getting my way. Turn to your neighbor and just say, it's not about me getting my way. It's about him getting his. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's about him getting his. Man. Soren Kierkegaard says, the function of prayer is not to influence God but rather to change the nature of the one who prays. Think about that. The function of prayer is not to influence God, but rather to change the nature of the one who prays. The whole point of the story is not getting our, us not getting our way, it's God getting his way. Prayer is this thing that shapes and forms us, and I've been finding it so helpful to sit with other people's prayers and own them for myself. And the most famous prayer that we will ever see is the Lord's Prayer. When Jesus is asked by his disciples how we should pray, he says this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I want to spend a couple moments in this prayer and just point out a couple of things. Can I do that? Just point out a couple of things. I have way too much here, so I'm just going to point out a couple of things. Do you notice how he says our father? Not my father, not your father, not their father, but our father. I love this as we use this as a posture for ourselves, that this isn't an individual sport, that uh, we don't see personal relationship with Jesus throughout scripture, that there's not a lot, and, and not to say that that doesn't exist, but there's not a lot of my language in scripture. There's a lot of our language in scripture. I'm going to be like a couple more minutes just so you know. You can come up. It's cool, but um, <laughs> just a couple more. Um, I'm actually going to use some of y'all, so just come up here. We'll, we'll work it out. Um, <laughs> um, it's our father. Um, our father, in this word Abba that Jesus has used, it's such an intimate word that he uses for father. And then it's a hallowed be thy name. I think if we could ever wrap our minds around the, the, the greatness of God and the bigness of God and then the intimacy that he desires for us and with us, I think we would figure out so much. Um, it says, give us this day our daily bread. Um, I don't think for us, too much of us, that's like physical, like I need food today. For some of us, it might be. I think for us, daily bread might look a little bit more like in spite of the prognosis in this person's life that I love, like God, you're going to provide for me today. 
In spite of my unemployment, God, I trust you for today. In spite of the breakup, God, I trust you for today. It's this idea of uh, daily bread sounds a lot like the story of the Israel, Israelites in the desert, right? Of manna, of this idea of manna for today. God's provision for you today and not worrying about tomorrow. Somebody needs to hear in this place tonight that God has provision for you today. You're worried about tomorrow. That's where some of the anxiety is coming from. You're terrified about the next day. That's where some of the depression's coming from. He's saying, I have provision for you today and I'm calling you to trust me for today. And then he says, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who, as we forgive, does he say debts? What does he say? Yeah, as we've forgiven our debtors. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm forgiven. Here's the thing about um, forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. Isn't that crazy how he says, uh, forgive us as we forgive? Forgive us as we forgive. I need some help. You're going to be Jesus. You guys came up too early, so now you get to help. All right. And I'm going too long. That's it. I'm going too long. You came up too early. Now you help. Okay. So you're right here. This is Jesus. I want to show you what, and then you two come with me. Yeah, both of you. So this is, um, this is Jesus, and he is offering forgiveness. And then these two are people that have hurt me bad. You've hurt me bad. Uh, cut me deep. Um, so both of you stand here, and you can face me. It's not awkward <laughs> at all. Um, and so, yeah, just get me. Um, so this prayer, why would we say forgive us our debts as we have forgiven those I don't like the debts. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. I'm just going to use that language. I used the wrong version. Um, forgive us our sins as we forgive. It's, it's implying that um, Jesus wants to offer me forgiveness, but I can't fully receive it if I'm holding on to the sins of somebody else against me. They've sinned against me, and it's real. Like, they've hurt me bad. And I have the right to be upset. I have the right to be hurt. I have the right to hold on to this awful thing that they've done to me. But as I hold on to this, I don't have the room to receive the forgiveness that Jesus wants to give for me. It doesn't change Jesus' forgiving posture towards me. That's always, that's forever. But my ability to actually receive it, to actually grab onto that, is completely hindered and completely blocked by my lack of forgiveness for these people in my life. So what I do to, for, to receive Jesus' forgiveness fully is I forgive those, and you can go past me, forgive those who have sinned against me so that I can receive Jesus. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I want you to hear this, though, because that gets complicated, right? Because humans are complicated, and, and like forgiving somebody is complicated. And you might say, they hurt me so bad, I need to draw boundaries. Yes, like you can forgive and still have boundaries. You can forgive somebody and be like, yeah, but we're not going to have the same type of relationship that we used to have. Like you're allowed to do those things. Um, your forgiveness, your forgiveness is really, 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 it's almost a selfish forgiveness. Your forgiveness is for yourself. Your forgiveness, letting go of this is so that I can fully receive the forgiveness that Jesus has for me. Because as I'm holding on to this, I'm old enough now to know people who have not extended forgiveness. 
And what happens to people who have not extended forgiveness and they hold on to these people that have not forgiven them, all they become, you can turn to me so it's like <laughs> uniform, um, all they become is a smaller version of themselves over time. All they become is the worst thing that somebody else did to them. All they become is the victim of that person 20 years later. All they become is not everything that God has called them to become. So for you tonight, forgiving somebody who's right in front of you and getting in the way of you fully receiving this forgiveness from Jesus, fully walking into everything he has for you, uh, that's what this is saying. Can we thank them for just being weird props? Yeah, thanks. Um, and we're going to end on this. I had too much tonight, so I'm just shortening it. And it's still so long. Um, the last thing that I loved, and I feel like God just, I feel like this was like from God today, and I'm going to make it quick. This whole idea of um, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Have you ever thought about delivery? Like, you ever track an Amazon package to your house? Have you ever seen where it's like it was packaged in Buffalo and now it's in Columbus and then it went to Long Beach? Maybe it's like, that's more UPS. Um, and it's like, it'll be there tomorrow. When the box arrives, did you ever think about how hard the box worked to get to you? Were you ever like, good job, box? Have you ever done that? We're not sitting there going, wow, that box must have worked really hard to get here. No, we're not like in awe of how hard the box worked. We're kind of in awe of Amazon that I ordered that at like 11.58 p.m. and it's here the next day, right? Or if you're a sports fan, like if you see like Patrick Mahomes throw a football, like sidearm, wrong hand falling down and it's a touchdown, you're like, nobody's in awe of the actual football that he threw, right? Nobody's like, whoa, look at that football. Everybody's like, dude, Patrick Mahomes is insane. Mahomes did that. We're like in awe of the, the person who delivered the pass, right? We're kind of in awe of Amazon who delivered the box. We're in awe of Patrick Mahomes who delivered the pass. They're like, what about childbirth? I know I'm a male talking about childbirth. Just get with me. Hold on. <laughs> what about childbirth? Nobody is thinking how hard the baby worked to make its way into this world. At least I'm not. It was just along for the ride, like, I'm typically in awe of the strength and courage endurance it took for the mom to deliver the baby. We're in awe of the baby. The baby's amazing, but it's like, how did she do that? How did the person who delivered that do that? I want you to hear this truth tonight. The box can't deliver itself to your house. The ball can't deliver itself to the receiver, and the baby can't deliver itself into this world and neither can you deliver yourself from whatever you're in. Only God can do that in your life. That was, that was, that was bad. Um, so what does this mean? It's not about you trying harder. It's about you drawing closer to the deliverer. So wherever you find yourself tonight, it's because he did the work on the cross. He did the work in your life so that you can rest in the work that he's done. And that's what delivers you. It's not you trying harder or white knuckling it or trying not to look down and do the wrong thing. It's about trusting in his ability to deliver you from what you're in. So basically, me and Ben and Sarah, we talked about this sermon this week and they both made it better and then I made it longer. Um, and I can't remember who, it said, who said it because I was bu busy writing it down, but they said... Um, so basically the message in a sentence is the goal is to stop asking for the desires of our heart, 
but for the desires of his because we've spent so much time with him that his desires become our desires. And that's really what prayer is. It's spending enough time with him that your prayers just start mirroring what his desires are in your life and in the earth. And it can start with selfish things and then it becomes less selfish things over time. So I wanna end this time. You have this card that's on your seat, pull it out. I went to Lord's Prayer. You guys just came up, huh? Yeah, it's my bad. Um, on one side is the Lord's Prayer in the NIV, and then it has the message version of it. Sometimes prayers can become so familiar that we don't even, like, it doesn't register with us. I love that we put the message version next to it um, just to give it a fresh perspective. I want to encourage you that as you go home this week, spend time every morning with this. Pray this prayer. And on the backside, there's truths behind this prayer. If you turn that over, there's just truths behind this prayer. Of every point in the prayer, it's I belong to a family. I have a purpose outside of myself. I'm provided for. I'm forgiven. I'm released to forgive others. I'm protected. Um, pray these prayers this week. But what we're going to do right now is we're going to do more of a liturgical prayer to end this as we go into worship together. So I don't know if we can get that on the screen or if we have that slide. It's the one that says Michael and congregation. If we don't, we don't. Hmm. Let's just say it out loud together then. There we are. Um, so this is what we're going to do. Um, I'll say, you're going to start um, and you'll say our father and then I'll say in heaven and then you'll say hallowed be your name and we're going to go back and forth. Is this making sense to everybody? Yeah. So I'm going to start you out. You can just go after three. One, two, three. Our Father. In heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us our sins. As we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation. God, we just thank you for this prayer. We thank you for the gift of it. God, we thank you that we get to commune with the God of the universe. We get to speak to an almighty God who wants to be that intimately close to us. God, I pray specifically for unforgiveness in this room tonight. Things that we're holding on to that keep us from fully receiving you and fully receiving your forgiveness. God, may we be a people who forgive for our own freedom who forgive to be free to become the people that you've created and called us to be. God, we love you so much. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. I hope it was a blessing to you and want to invite you to join us on Thursday nights for service at 7 p.m. To connect with us, follow us on Instagram at calvya underscore or on our website, calvarywestlake.org.